Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Or, as a certain turtle called a certain panda. It is inside you all along. Hello. Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, good night, friends. Wherever you are in the world, whenever you are listening to this, I hope you are having a good day and the day you deserve. This is Stuart, and welcome back to the podcast. I would love to start off today's episode by saying how you, I am eternally grateful to you, dear listener, for your love and support, not only on this podcast, but just in everyday life. You drive me to be a better person, and you hold me accountable. Thank you. And actually, in today's episode, Worlds Collide, we are talking to not only a very kind, very humble man, but also a very successful and illustrious actor, growing and living in the world of art. A true artist who found his passion, who knew his purpose, and made it his profession. With an amazing career and a lifetime of experiences that have shaped him into the man he is today. We have none other than Mr. Henry Kramer on the podcast with us today. But we're not just talking to the artist, the successful actor, the voiceover actor, the musician, the dancer, the singer, the person who casually just speaks three languages. We're talking to the man. The man who has ups and downs in his everyday life as well. The man planning a future with his family. The amateur chef. We aren't just talking to Henry as an artist and about his career. We're talking to Henry as a man. How he keeps that passion going. That flame lit. 
how he deals with those good days, what advice he would give. So when the world of a court of thorns and roses collide, the voice that brought life to Tamlin meets the TikTok Tamlin. And I know there is some bitter irony with the fact that the two Tamlins on the internet are going to currently talk about mental health awareness when it's Tamlin, but I hope you enjoy. Take all of that knowledge that I have of this character and these voices and compress it down into a single Feyre. Uh, don't do that to me, Tim Tam. Don't do that to me right now. <laughs> I, I, I was going to start off the whole episode by saying, who can say the iconic line the best? And I I, I think we, I, I, it's not even a competition, but I, I, I still want to try Mm. Thorns and all. Can oh, you give? Can you with it, hit me with it? I want to hear it. Um, okay. <laughs> <laughs> the multiverse of Tamlins are colliding right now. All we need is that dancing one to like oh, join gosh. in. Um. So. Anyway. a soft, gentle Tamlin. Oh, I'm a very, very, very soft and then bitchy town. Sorry, I, I, I have to apologize if you were doing more of a line after that, but I just thought you were just comparing our pharaohs, and I was like, I, I, I just had, I just had Henry Kramer like just go ooh to my version of Tamlin. I am happy. It's with a delightful that. rendition. I totally <laughs> would not have, ex- I personally would not have chosen that direction. So the fact that you did choose to go, oh, that's a beautiful choice. What is um? Go on, give us, give us, give us the iconic line. Mm. Which one? There are so many in my head. Oh, it has to be thorns and all for Tamlin. It has to be. Ooh. Let me look up the specific wording because it's it's been a while since I've been Tamlin. Which, like, how crazy is this for the fact like this book like blew up, the audiobook is blown up, and now like with the resurgence of it and the mass interest coming through social media and the internet, everything's about to come full circle all over again. How does that feel? Well, first things first. <clears throat> oh, there we go. Here we go. Feyre, I love you. <laughs> Thorns and all. Oh my god. Okay. Why do we yeah, hate Tamlin again? I remember that I gave my director two options to choose from. Here's the second one. That never Oh, go ahead. Yes. I love you. Thorns and all. Tamla needs a redemption arc. We need to hear more of this. <laughs> look, you... I'm I'm just pleased that look from my standpoint, Tamlin is not the center of this universe. He was a character and an antagonist, and I did not expect the absolute explosion of support that I've received. I, I know we're going off topic, but if if I may, just for those of you who are listening to this and you tell voice actors how much you love their work. Thank you. Artists love... Pra- we are creatures of praise. If you, if you give us praise, we will be very happy. Thank you. As a professional, I will happily take that. But as a amateur, I'll have to say that I wasn't hugged enough as a child, so I need that acceptance from 
external validation because I cannot handle rejection anymore. No, but I fully, fully agree with you. Like having the support of like your audience and your community that you've developed through your art form is it, it, it's the driving force behind you at the end of the day, especially those bad days, those really hard days where getting out of bed is even like a struggle. So yes, thank you to everyone who is supportive and just loves the art that people make in general. But now I need to bring it back and say, you were my introduction to that whole series. The whole Akatar, A Court of Thorns and Roses, Sarah J. Mass as an author. The whole idea of this influx on social media, and they were saying, you look like a character I imagine. I didn't pick up the books to begin with. Absolutely no way, shape, or form. I went straight to Audible. I went straight to see if there was an audio version, and you were... Tamlin. Everything that I basically have developed in terms of like social media content, the short forms, the lip syncs, all came through what I heard you say and how you emoted this character, which I never saw as an antagonist. We talked about this. We talked about this at length yesterday. A character and a very good character is never just the hunched over back like guy who goes nyeh, 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 as the villain. He always no. is justified in his actions. Yeah, and granted, outside looking in, just off the cuff, narratively speaking, I had to assign him the role of, at least externally, antagonist, but mm -hmm. stepping into his shoes, nah, man, that man's, a, that man's got main protagonist energy. It's just the camera ain't focused on him. He's living his own life, man. He's got his own little character arcs that are happening off screen. He just comes on more haggard than the last time. I mean, go... Ooh, that's someone who's going on a downward spiral. A spiral we never get to see because we're actually stuck. And I say stuck with Feyre's story arc and then Resand and then that whole chapter 53 that everyone will always remember in Mist and Fury that we were not a part of because, you know, Tamlin was not the love interest anymore. We played our part and now we need to find our purpose in this whole universe. Mm-hmm. And Do you think... Go ahead. No, please, you. I was going to say, do you think Talon will get a redemption arc? I personally think, or at least I hope, I honestly couldn't care less if Talon got a redemption arc in terms of mm. inconsequence with Feyre. Because that implies that Talon is going to try and get back with Feyre. At least from my understanding. And what I believe... Tamlin should find his own story. He tried to cling to a story that wasn't his. And ended up getting cast aside. And I feel like he needs to rebuild himself. Before any kind of redemption is even in the works. Because... From my understanding, he's he's not just a discarded character, he's a broken character by the end of the series. Uh -huh. Now, if I may, I'd like to segue in here and just express my sincerest gratitude to you for all you do. 
Whether you realize it or not, dear listener, you have helped me immensely with this production. From the simple things, the, the like, comments, and shares on social media spreading this message, to the tips, the notes, the being held accountable, the suggestions, the realization that maybe this strange Irish man talking about self-love and mental health could possibly help someone. The whole premise of this podcast, this production in general, is so that we know we have value. We are allowed whole space and we do deserve to be loved. So to you, I want to say thank you for keeping me afloat, for keeping me humble, and for reminding me of this when I'm, I need I'm it. I'm going to put a spanner in the works and just jump straight into this question. Let's talk about that in relationships in general, where we try to hold on to a lover, a friendship, a family relationship that we know is wrong for us. And we're broken and discarded by the end of it. One, because it does not fit our lives and our direction. And also because we don't fit that other person, our spouse, our boyfriend, girlfriend. How do you think people would resonate a lot more with Tamlin if they looked at Finn from that perspective? He latched onto something that essentially wasn't his. I do think there is a soft spot in his story because he was a drowning man looking for hope. Mm -hmm. And he clung and he clung despite how bad it was for him because at least it was better than what he was before. Yes. And I feel, and I myself can also personally attest, having gone through something similar in my past, that clinging to both people, things, habits that while they once got us through the dark of night, they are no longer necessary and must now be unlearned. And I think that is a, a valuable lesson that Tamlin learned too late. Too late, yeah. 120% with that. How would you bring that full circle in terms of development when we ourselves, we, I think we can all attest to having a relationship like that, however deep, but when you realize you need to unlearn, what is the best course of action for that? I think paradoxically enough, the best course of action when you need to learn when you need, you learn that you need to do something, is to consequently take a step back and not do anything. To just look, listen, be present not only in the physical here and now, but the spiritual and the mental here and now, and decide for yourself what is it that is wrong, or that I feel is wrong, and what can I do to change it? Because change without direction is chaos. It's a ship at sea in the storm. Exactly. Yeah. It's a ship with no lighthouse, no rudder. Mm -hmm. 
nothing we, to guide it by. Yeah, we mentioned this yesterday. The the symbolism of the lighthouse being that as an individual for others. Yeah. So actually, give us your backstory, Henry. Um, who who are you, outside of the voice actor, outside of the artist? Well, I'm an Aries Sun, Taurus Moon, Gemini Rising. <laughs> no, but I. Well, first and foremost, as an official introduction, hi, it's nice to meet you. I'm Henry Kramer. I'm a 28-year-old voice actor, narrator, actor, puppeteer, house dad, dog dad, and amateur home chef. Uh, how far back would you like me to go? I want you to go back as far as you want. There's, you have 28 years of probably amazing, tragic, funny, and cringy stories. Who is Henry? How did you get to where you are? Well, in terms of amateur chef, I'm pretty sure you're not an amateur chef. You showed me your setup. That looks, that looks pretty, like... Top quality. Uh, only by grace of luck. <laughs> I would say... What first got me into acting was my parents. They're both well-accomplished actors and voice actors and narrators in their own right. So you can imagine that story time with them was awesome when actual motherfucking Gandalf was there going, Bilbo Baggins, and your eyes are full of stars because it's Gandalf, it's Gandalf. He sounds like Gandalf. <laughs> and if you don't mind me going on a tangent, what really got me into the performing arts was I think I was like maybe eight and my father was in a show, something about a king. There was a three in his name. Um, uh, I, th I think his name was Richard. <laughs> and we're up <laughs> looking down on the stage, and I just go, oh, where's Dad? Oh, there's Dad. Oh, and there's a bunch of other people. And they're going into a room, and there's a glass wall, and they got guns, and what are they doing? How are they... And next thing I know, there is a bang, a splat, and my father flinging his quote-unquote dead body against a glass wall, sliding down, smeared in blood. Most people's introduction as children to theater is like a pantomime or a nice family musical. No, I see my dad get massacred. I love and that. <laughs> That's not even the worst part, because there's this palpable silence that hangs in the air for a good three to five seconds, and in them, all anyone hears is a broken-hearted child who has just come to the gripping moral terms of death, shouting from his tiny lungs up in the rafters, Daddy, no! Oh my god, I shouldn't be smiling, but I am. That's brilliant. And then I'm having a full-blown panic attack, and my mother's going, no, 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 it's, it's fine, it's fine, daddy's fine, daddy's just pretending, daddy's not dead. And I just go, dad's not dead? Cool. 
And I looked at the stage and went, I want to do that. So I've kind of known what I wanted to be from an early stage, and I've just gone after it. Did you always know performing was going to be your passion? You say you've gone after it, but... Kind of, yeah. From yeah. eight to twelve, like between the ages of eight to twelve, I got it in my head that I would be a performer, I'd be an oh. actor or a voice actor. I would do something. Yeah. All that mattered to me was that I did it. So, as a narcissist, how did you keep like that passion in your life? Because you know, life kind of gets in the way of a lot of things that we want to do, school, friends, you know, like. That first girlfriend, that first boyfriend, you know, the stress of trying to get a job in college. How did you keep acting as the passion without letting it kind of dissipate or that fire dissipate? I found things to keep me passionate. I, I watched anime and read manga and fell in love with the stories. I worked as a server and a barback and at one time a bartender, very briefly. And I learned other people's stories. I played video games, I read books, I went to places with my friends and tried to experience as much of life as I could so that that way I could bring all of the beautiful world around me and try and distill that in me to keep me going. Distill that in me. Explain that sentence. You're taking all you this know how in the process of making whiskey they distill yeah. and they churn and they boil and they pour and they let sit. Yeah. That is what I've found, at least looking back throughout the years, how I have kept myself going. I moved from one interest to the next, finding out what I liked about it, what I didn't, and bringing those experiences back with me to the stage until I felt something else take my interest and go that way. Refinement. Mm-hmm. Refining yourself. There's a massive difference between a passion and a hobby. But you were saying there that you were bringing, like, your interest in life, your everyday life, and bringing that back to your passion. Have you ever heard of um, the poet Seamus Heaney? He's a very famous Irish poet. Unfortunately, I haven't had the pleasure. He has this very... Um, interesting article somewhere where he talks about the fact that he would spend days people watching. He was a poet but he would just watch people because the most interesting thing in life was seeing how other people would live theirs and then bring that back into his passion, back into his poetry. He would write about the most basic things in everyday life and make it beautiful. And I think you've just kind of really articulately said the exact same thing. You've refined your interests and hobbies and brought it back to your passion, and it 
enhanced your ability, if that makes sense. If you don't mind me saying so. Oh, no, I, I find that that is completely correct. Um, I learned at a young age, and was often told by other actors, since when your parents are in the theater business and they can't afford a babysitter, they bring you with them, and you get to ask all the other older artists what it's like to be an actor. I learned that nothing is ever lost. If you spend so much time doing the one thing, it gets stale and you have nothing outside of it. So you have to reach broad and reach far and try as many different things as possible. Some will, you will have greater success than others. Those you turn into an income. Then there are the ones that bring you joy that you don't mind being bad at it. You just, you do it for fun. Yeah. Because it makes you happy. Nothing oh. is ever wasted. It's not unless you do it haphazardly or half-heartedly to the point where you're wondering why did you do it in the first place. You can always take it at something from an experience, but in terms of waste, we do waste our time. We have such little amounts of it. When we don't do something that kind of fills us with this passion and this drive, that's the it's only thing we choose. It's very easy, to, although I will say, to, as, as someone who has often gotten distracted and wasted his time doing nothing, okay. or at least nothing worthwhile, it's quite easy to do these days. Yeah, very, very true. But actually, as an artist, I, taking like a step back there, you were talking about fulfillment. How does... How do you stay fulfilled in your passion in life? Like like you were saying, art is it's amazing, but if you were to do the same thing over and over again, the repetition would make it feel stale, which means that you feel like you're almost being mechanical in something that's meant to be so freeform. How do you keep the passion alive to feel fulfilled? That is a good question. Oh, I'm so glad it made sense because like, I just started rambling then. I was no, like, let's see where this no, goes. That is a great <laughs> question. And one that actually, ooh, that, ooh, that's a, that's a brain tickler. But passion for life and passion for what I do as a job, mm -hmm. I keep separate. Because the passion for what I do as an artist is also in and of itself a job and on some base level i have to understand that on some days the passion isn't enough to keep me going because passion with no structure is just energy being spent with and dissipating into the universe with nowhere to go yeah. but passion with structure and discipline and intent and focus that is how I best channel my passion into what I do, into my job as an artist. Well, I say job, but in reality, I feel telling stories is what I was put on this earth to do. It is my purpose. It is my fulfillment. It is my source of income. It is the way by which I take my control and mastery of the world around me and do my best to shape it. 
I need to stop you there for a second. Changing the word job to purpose. That is powerful. That is... Wow. Wow. You're talking about refinement. You're talking about basically having the push to do this one thing, whether it is be an artist, whether it is find a passion, whatever way, shape or form an individual has in their life. It's about being the ship with the lighthouse. It's about actually getting out of bed and not wasting your time. But how do we start that spark? How do we get that inspiration? We talked about it there at the very beginning where it was like, you know, thanking your audience, thanking your community that you've made because they push you to a certain degree. And to be honest, like, I can attest that there are so many days when if I didn't have my community around me, I don't know if I'd still be doing this. I've got a box of just like the freaking notes people have sent me for helping them and it helps me. But how do we find inspiration in those really, really dark days where we don't know like how to keep moving forward or what direction we're going in in life, whether it be with work or our passion or to find fulfillment. I guess what I'm trying to ask is, how do you find inspiration to keep going? I do what all heroes have to do in their story. I ask for help. When I don't know how to keep going. I ask other people what keeps wow. them going. And maybe how they understand it helps me. Maybe it doesn't. But the knowledge of there are other people like me out there who are artists and who do have those days who struggle and yet they also persist it gives me hope and if you have hope you will always be able to keep going so I think to summarize the answer to your question which was very, very convoluted. I'm so sorry about that. Oh no, I'm it's having a lot of a lot. chewing on this. No, this is this is giving me, uh, this is taking me back to my psychology and theater theory days of college. I'm like, oh, thank you. Let me flex my brain a little bit. I think if a therapist wants, I think if someone wants to be a therapist, you know, they need to have some kind of, you know, artistic background or at least do some kind of self-expression self-expression yeah because like the amount of depths we have to go to try and create characters psychologically emotionally having those backstories to try and emote something that's authentic like by god we are that friend in the group that is like the therapist friend half the time and when you get like a bunch of artists together it's like okay whose turn is it now again I don't know where I was going with that no, it's fine. And I do apologize if I if I did ramble on a tangent or two. I I love these topics. Thank you. They are they are so chewy and delicious. Man, after last night, I think this is just going to be like a complete off-tangent conversation that's going to get really deep and we're going to be like, "Well, I feel really good about that." Oh, no. I I'm I'm just oh, I'm I'm basking right now, but to summarize of 
what 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 brings me what brings me my kindling what helps me create that spark of inspiration i would say that it's the hope that i not only receive from others but the knowledge that i can then give that to others it is the act of the it is the act of the doing the doing of the work is what brings its own inspiration on a certain level it, well yeah it does you know at some point like the work you're going to do is going to either make someone stay going to make someone dissociate from whatever in their life they're going to be part of your world for a while it's going to make someone happy make someone smile laugh cry very it's a very powerful thing to be able to give that to another person and it does drive us at times you find success in that knowing you do that for other people yeah i do i had to grapple with how i define success when i as a child versus now as a man okay but looking back on where i started versus where i am now which also circling back to your question of how do i keep my passion alive i practice gratitude by looking back on where i started which was in a closet recording at 2:00 in the morning until 8:00 in the morning so that that way I could get a book done after working 8 plus hours as a server to now being able to tell stories full time for a living I am so incredibly grateful right now. Is there ever a point where it almost feels surreal? You were telling me about this like like I remember the makeshift kind of studio which was basically a bedsheet and a lapel microphone to try and record some semblance of, you know, good quality audio for whatever voiceover I was first trying to do. Like where you've come is like leaps and bounds. You've like not conquered one mountain. You've probably conquered like several. And there's more to climb. There's always more to climb. After after a mountain, there's always another mountain. But that's part of what makes it fun. It's a challenge. It's it's something that I can do. That while I may not be physically hardy enough to go scaling the mountain Everest or go. like go overseas and help people in various places this is what i can do this is how i define my struggle and this is how i and this is how i am so i can live it's the journey it is the work the art the passion that helps you live feel fulfilled feels like you're accomplished and within that making other people happy with what you do 
Does that make sense? 100%. Fucking, I'm so happy it does. <laughs> so what is like a massive motivator for you in your everyday life right now? Like today, yesterday, and tomorrow? What would be a driving force in your life? To scale those what, mountains. What used to motivate me was spite. Because yeah. <laughs> I used oh, to get yeah. told shut up or be quiet all the time. And I was like, I'm going to have people pay to listen to me talk, motherfucker. I will make that <laughs> with you. You're going to tell me to shut up? No, fuck you. I'm going to do better. And that I used that rage, that passion, that intensity, and funneled that into my work. But that made me also work way too hard. And there were definitely times where it got me into trouble but now what drives me is I have something I want to protect now I have a family I have a fiance and a dog and we're we're planning a wedding and we're we're gonna eventually buy a house I hope fingers crossed if you know miracles happen And I want to see that grow, and I want to protect that. And I feel that the best way that I can do that is to climb the ranks and scale in terms of work in my artistic field. So my current version of motivation is family. Okay. I don't know what the future will hold or how my priorities might shift there, so unfortunately I can't answer that part of the question. Uh-huh. I, but, I was expecting you to give that answer because we never know what's going to happen in the future. Like, no, we don't. It's If you had told me five years ago I'd be here right now, I'd have laughed you full in the face. Oh, yeah? Oh, yeah. I'm looking... And I'm wondering, you're saying you're artistic and your professional field right now for voice acting, but like you're a trained actor, your BA is in theater studies, am I right? I am right. in English. Yes, okay. Yeah. I did my research before we came on. I did my research yesterday. The second the second you reached out about the about the um selling a little? Or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. 
In four weeks, the typical new user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. The jerkin I had, I was like, I need to know everything about this man right now. And I might have done like a very, very deep dive almost to the point of creep on you. But actually, how did we first interact? I knew you through Tamlin, through Akatar, and then I knew your work. How did the convention go the other day? Because you were Tamlin to so many people. How how did that feel? Like when you basically said, yes, I am the voice of this character, or yes, I am the voice of this character. You've done so many series, actually, because you've been with how many houses now at this point? You're with Tantor right now. Uh, I'm with Tantor. I'm with Podium. I'm with Shadow Alley Press. Yeah. Like there is such a list your repertoire. It, it's ridiculous that you can say that you are so many characters. The the Earthrise series, the Gods of Law and Rule, and that's even just like what I'm seeing here on your Tantor Media profile. By the way, amazing headshot, I must say. <laughs> Not gonna lie, I'm, I'm like, oh my god, you researched my work. I'm blushing. Oh, I didn't research your work. I deep dived into into oh everything god. about you, oh and I, I'm. So <laughs> I'm so oh my god, thank you. Are you joking me? Like when we first like interacted, I was like, okay. "Oh my god!" So full disclosure, go ahead. I'm still coming to terms with the fact that I am quote unquote internet famous, because to me, all this has been is just I've just been doing my thing. I've been keeping myself hermited away from everything and just working. That's all this has been to me. It's just me and the work. Is there not a difference then, as an artist, for doing something for the simple glorification of saying, "I am an artist, I am an actor, I am a voiceover actor," and then do then doing the work to say, "I am an artist with a passion, and I am so grateful because I get to get paid for this. I get to plan a wedding with my fiance with the work I do for a passion." Do you think there's still a massive divide there in that one section? Because like you are, you're not internet famous. You are full on worldwide famous. How many people have heard your voice in some way, shape or form for all these amazing characters you've portrayed over the years? From a freaking closet, 2 a.m. to 8 a.m. to now. And I've seen your, I've seen, I've seen your setup. And I'm still very embarrassed for showing you my added wall that I thought was like the the shit until you just said, ooh, look at my LED lights and my like detachable studio that I can bring anywhere with me. I was like, yeah, okay. Sorry, never gonna go on a life with you again. <laughs> look, we all have to start somewhere. And at least you have a whole half a room. I had a supply closet that I couldn't even sit down in. Mm. I did mention this was my bedroom, though. So, like, at the very start, I had all these padding on my wall, and then I'd throw my mattress against the other wall just to, like, stop the reverb. But <laughs> I, I went off tangent. Now, back to the question. Glorification versus fulfillment. How do you keep yourself humble? 
you are you are quite the humble man, I must say. Well, it it helps that life has often come along and tapped me on the shoulder when I was getting too full of myself and reminded me to stay humble. So, oh yeah, oh yeah. I no, used there, to say kicking the no, balls. No one is immune to karma. Yeah. But what I will say is that from a young age, my parents, both of them, often reminded me to enjoy my success, but never let it get to my head. And why is and that? Because they showed me, at least they pointed to the celebrities of my generation growing up, and how they pointed out at how. When people begin to believe their own mythos, they overlook certain things that they do because they're human. Yes. Okay. And they wanted me to keep a level head because they could see the writing on the walls of this kid has potential, but it has the capacity to run away with him. So from a young age, they taught me to try and stay humble. And growing up, working in restaurants and theaters, and constantly dealing in a profession that deals with excellence and perfection on one side, and complete and total rejection on the other,、mm -hmm. having to stay in that environment. It toughens you. It will break you if you、oh, are not prepared. I think it breaks you, but to the oh, give me a good analogy. To the extent that you are like a glow stick, you're not going to go through this industry without being broken. But it's only then you'll shine if you actually keep、I、on like driving. I like that analogy. I was going with.、Um, The Japanese style of repairing broken pottery. With Sit back down, Stuart. I got this one. We've got a good analogy that will inspire people. But I, I do believe that. What is it? If you break a mirror, it's still a mirror. Yeah, but it can also be a disco ball and shine more light. There we go. I matched your crockery. That was beautiful. <laughs> it wasn't. But um, go on with with your quote because I do actually know this. I do actually know this、um, one about the the broken crockery that's actually remade back into the same the same thing. No, the same but better,、ah, because、okay. the cracks become part of a unique tapestry that shines with a light of its own. There is no one same style because no one pot can break the same way. We are all of us broken in our own way. But we also have it within us to fix ourselves, and become a, while not the same, and while not necessarily whole, a better, more beautiful version of ourselves. See, unfortunately, I want to be very condescending and say, yeah, that was ten times better than the glow stick analogy, but. I do quite like the fact that you're saying that we have to fix ourselves. Because why do you think we, as people,、uh, society, 
but more so individuals, feel this need to latch on to the idea that I am okay, I am fine, I will compartmentalize, you know, something that has obviously traumatized me or hurt me in my life, because if I don't act like it didn't happen, then everything will be okay, rather than just saying, I accept that, you know, everyone is broken, everyone is hurt in some way, shape, or form, going through their own pain. I accept this, but I will not let it define me, and I will try and live a fulfilled life with passion, doing the work I love, and not with resentment. We're all broken. We are all broken, and I, it's very hard to actually get that across to people, which I've found over the last year of making like mental health awareness um, content on social media. I don't know why. I feel it has to do with the emphasis we, as a society, place upon the idea of self-perfection and perfection in others. There is not a great deal being taught, at least when I was growing up, about accepting things as being wrong or accepting when things go bad and to instead immediately fix the problem so that it never happened. Mm -hmm. Acknowledging that something went wrong is an acknowledgement of failure, either by yourself or someone else, and that implies that you're less than perfect. Mm. So it is this sense of perfectionism that drives people to deny acknowledging others or their own, which is a lot harder, mistakes, and trying to find the steps and ways to fix that. How would you go about then, like, trying to educate someone and realizing that a failure is not a failure but could be perceived as a learning opportunity to do better in the future? What would be your advice? As hard as it is. It's always hard. It's always as hard. And trust me, you're talking to someone who hates to lose, who hated losing growing up. Try and see not what you perceive as failure, but notes. Life is not a test. There is no one and done. You have an infinite number of possibilities to both try and not try. See what works for you and see what doesn't. And as difficult as it can be, Acknowledge the sadness, frustration, anger, resentment, whatever quote-unquote negative emotions you feel in that moment. Allow yourself to feel them because they are valid in that moment. But don't hold on to them like Tamlin did. Because Tamlin couldn't let go. And if you can't let go, it will build and fester and cloud your vision and extinguish 
your spark of brilliance. So to grasp the thing you truly want, your hands first have to be empty. You need to drop the load that you hold on your own shoulders, that you feel is your burden. Acknowledge that it's there and attempt as best you can to continue unburdened toward what will work in the future. 120%. Have you ever heard the um, story of Sisyphus? Yes, I'm very familiar with some of the Greek legends of old. I, I am a massive enthusiast for the motifs and the symbolisms behind them. For any of our dear listeners that don't know, Sisyphus um, was a king in um, ancient Greece, and what he did was he tricked Hades at one point in his life, and then Hades um, cursed him, shall we say, when he went to the underworld to constantly roll a boulder up a hill, but before he got to the top, it would roll back down. And this is a great analogy for holding on to the resentment and the anger and whatever festering feelings we have towards our past with us into our future because it will always drag us back down to the bottom. We will always be like Sisyphus. We will never reach the top because we're holding on to this energy that does not help us, that does not alleviate us or does not push us. There's a difference between fueling yourself with something that's going to actually keep the flame of ice and fueling yourself with something that's only going to push you so far. Do you remember yesterday we were talking about keeping that fiery passion alive and you need kindling, you need the stuff that's going to keep the flame lit bright and burning. And if it doesn't, it smolders and then you're filled with nothing but smoke, which is toxic. I do. I remember that conversation very fondly. Thank God, because I could not remember it today. And I was like, what was I talking about when it came to fire? Why am I always talking about fire? Am I a pyromaniac? Probably. No, sure. Come on. Get back to the podcast. How? <laughs> Again, off on a tangent. What would you say has sustained a good relationship with your mental health? We were talking about, you know, earlier, spice fueled us. We were talking about now it was humility and pushing ourselves further. But how do you keep a good relationship with your mental health, especially over your career? That one has been an evolving journey that I still don't know the answer to. Because back when I started, I did all the classic young, young adult things of going out and clubbing and partying and working my ass off and doing everything I could to live as fast and as hard and as big a life as I could. Yeah. And that's what I thought sustained me. And... It ended up being a lesson in what doesn't work for me. Because some people, they find joy in the experience of living that full of a life. But to me, it was a bit much. 
I found that it was actually draining. Yeah. And so I looked at, I found the other things that I enjoyed that gave me time to myself. That allowed me to explore who I am as a person and come to terms with what I do and do not like. And when I found that to be too isolating, I switched to what kind of community can I create so that I don't have to feel like this? Where can I go to not only help others, but in turn help myself? Yes. And currently, I'm sustaining a good mental, a good relationship with my mental health through outreach and helping other artists get their foot in the door and giving advice to other voice actors, talking with new indie authors that don't know how, what goes into making an audiobook. Currently, I find that helping people sustains me. And that has been a, that has been a lesson 28 years in the making. I don't know if it's the final answer for what sustains me, but for right now, I'm pretty happy with where I'm at. That's 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 amazing advice. You know, to give to others, to maintain a good relationship. Their mental health is to help others. There's there's never a better feeling in everyday life, in working life, in a relationship where you know you've made someone, let's say, that little bit happier smile. A, a, a stupid thing. And I know it might sound stupid and it's not, but I will force myself to compliment a random stranger every day, at least one stranger, whether it be what they're wearing, helping them, even just starting like a quick conversation in the queue, do you know, at the supermarket, just for the fact that that could easily rise in someone's day and it will make me feel better about my own existence because, you know, I've tried to be a nicer person in the smallest of ways. I guess it's a roundabout way of saying, like, maintaining a good relationship with your own mental health is try and just be kind. Does that make sense? You hit the nail on the head. So, why do you think so many people, especially on social media, will lash out for no reason, whether or not, um, you know, they are justified in their comments to people who, like, don't deserve vindiction. So many people are unfortunately... Oh, sorry, please go ahead. I was just going to say, you know, so many people online are very active in trying to be malicious and aggressive to tear people down for no honest reason. What are your thoughts? I forget who it was that taught me this, but it's a lesson that's stuck in my head. It's a phrase. Hurt people. Hurt people. Those who often lash out, often at times they themselves are hurting and don't know how to process how they're feeling and they don't want to feel how they are. So in that moment, they will transfer how they are feeling onto someone else just for a little bit so they don't feel that way. 
There have been plenty of times where I'll be streaming online and someone will say something out the side of their mouth that's just disrespectful or rude and I'll legitimately ask them on stream, hey, like, that was out of pocket, you good? What's the usual reaction? It's 50-50. It's 50-50. Half the time they go fuck off and half the time they genuinely answer. These days it's been more genuinely answer. But I think part of the problem is, much like with poverty, hatred is often treated by the symptom and not the cause. Ah. Yes. So to answer, why do I think people lash out online? I think it's they're trying to do a, a, a cry for help. I, they're, say, they're saying that they don't know how to be any way other than this. And that's not to say, if you have someone like that in your life, you have to try. No. If things get too bad, you can always leave. That is a valid option. And yet, for some reason, so many people don't think it is an option. I, I, the amount of times, for whatever type of relationship, um, people say they don't have a choice. We always have a choice, in no matter what way, shape, or form. Why do people's? Why would people rather stay? And I would say, for lack of a better analogy, drink poison then move on or leave a situation. More often than not, I find it's pride. Oh. They don't want to admit that they made a mistake. Uh, they made a mistake. If you're unhappy, that means something's wrong. And if that means wrong, that means you made a mistake. And if you made a mistake, you're less than perfect. And it goes back to this whole idealism of what perfection <laughs> means, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. And then that goes back to being a narcissist and being put up on a pedestal. Mm-hmm. It is a vicious cycle. One that I try my best to... One that you have. I'm gonna change the start of that sentence. Ones that you have... Being humble with. That you have, like, taken yourself away from. I've tried my best. And that's all we can ever do, because there are days when we don't even realize if we are kind of filled with pride or filled with self-adulation, and we don't realize, like, maybe we are a bit too big for our britches. And then other days we are, we do see, like, the fact that one, one day we will all die and we are on the same kind of level playing field. Some of us are luckier than others, and we should really use that for the advantage of trying to make other people better or happy or smile if it helps I do have that story I told you about yesterday with the Roman generals and the chariots would you like me to repeat that oh yes 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 please yes so one thing that I find helps not only keep me from being prideful but also remaining grounded 
despite whatever success I may feel, is that back in ancient Rome, when the generals, or the gladiators, or the emperors would be paraded through the streets as a celebration to a victory or an achievement or a new land being conquered. They would have a crown of laurels held over their heads with an attendant who would be in charge saying one phrase and one phrase alone to the victor of that day. Remember, you too will die. And as this general, or senator, or what have you, is paraded through the streets, feeling like a god, celebrated throughout the entirety of an empire far vaster than we could ever comprehend, statues erected in their honor, they are filled with the knowledge that they are just like every other man, and that one day, despite all their best efforts, They'll be right there next to them in the ground. No one is going to live forever. No one can live forever. No one can live forever. Even Tom Hanks has to take a shit at least twice a day. <sighs> I fucking love that. <laughs> what advice now would you give on how to remain centered in yourself because obviously I've got a massive picture that I photoshopped of Tom Hanks on a toilet and that keeps me centered <laughs> how like what would keep you centered in life and not being caught up in everyday dramas and qualms of life work or stressors we all face stressors find two things a purpose and a cause. And devote yourself to them. So that that way you have an outlet for all your nervous energies that you have that may be directed at others or yourself. <clears throat> and at least I have found that through acts of service to other members of my community, the act of giving, of helping, nurturing. I feel that I'm giving back to the community that made me what I am. And I am not taking, but rather continuing the cycle. Okay. I feel that it is important to do things outside of yourself may not even serve yourself. Go take your friends out for a night on the town. Go see a show. Allow yourself to disconnect and be in the moment and not always be thinking about the horizon or that next ridge, that next project, that new thing. Because so often I have found that when I am rushing and I am distracted and I am looking too far ahead and not enough at what is around me, 
I get blindsided, or I get sidetracked, or I get caught up in something that I should have seen coming. Allow yourself to live in the present. moment. Exactly. Why do you think we are so worried about what faces us in the future? Stuff we cannot change in the past that it blindsides us to what's happening in this moment in the present. I feel personally that it is because they are the unknown. We've always been afraid of it. We've always been terrified of things being beyond our control or reach. I, look at today. We have water at the flick of a switch. Lights at the push of a button. We have bent and molded and shaped the world around us to be within our grasp, at our beck and call. We've always been anxious about things being beyond our ken and reach and understanding, and because of that, we focus on what we can. And hyperfixate, and refine, and dive, and delve, and make more and bigger and better things. It's part of what makes us so amazing. We're terrified, and so we change the world to be a little less scared. Well, what advice would you give to not be scared? We always look to try and fix and to develop. Something that makes our lives easier, but it also makes us quite. I think I can only speak from personal experience. Lazy and procrastinating. I will do a project when I get the newest updates to my software. I will go for that audition when I know that I have the character down. I won't just try right now. Even if I fail, why why are we so scared of the failure in the moment that we compensate to say when I'm more prepared in the future? Does that make sense? It does. Okay, and I have an answer for you. Sweet. Procrastination and perfectionism are two sides of the same coin. Because when you procrastinate, what it really means is that. You're afraid that you can try your best, and it still won't be enough, or it may, quote unquote, in the moment, fail. And one of the things we have to learn, or at least that I had to learn as an artist, was it's okay to be scared. It is completely understandable to be overwhelmed. And terrified of the monumental tasks you have before you, but courage is finding the will within you to be afraid and still persist, yeah. and still create, and be okay with its faults and flaws and all. Well, well. Thorns and all. Oh, Tim Tam, why'd you have to do that to me? I oh, actually, baby. 
I have the freaking I have the freaking series here in front of me. And it's ridiculous because I have so many highlighted passages in Court of Thorns and Roses to like quote and I'm just not going to because I'm not going to go up against Henry Kramer for Battle of the Tamlins right now. I will stick to glitter on my face and TikToks. <laughs> Through your many successes, what life lessons have stuck with you? There's any number, but I'll I'll pick three. Be kind when possible. Spend time on yourself as much as you spend on others. Practice gratitude, patience, and forgiveness, both of others and yourself. Those are the three that come to the forefront of my mind quickest. There's more, but we'd be here another hour. Forgive of yourself that was the hardest one I had to learn that is probably like not only a dagger to your heart but also then removing that dagger it hurts like, yeah. but it's one of the best things you can do for yourself it's it's breaking a cycle if you need if you know that you need to forgive yourself for something in your life and that can be forgiving yourself for not trying or for not knowing better yeah you don't know what you don't know it's acknowledgement if you could give a final message to people who are trying to find their passion be it in any way shape or form but more specifically for you, friend, as an artist, what would you tell them to do? Because this is one of the hardest, most draining, most toxic, most alleviating and passionate industries to be in. And there are so many sectors of it. What advice would you give someone? I would say, if you are trying to find your passion, take a moment to realize that your passion isn't out there in the world for you to find. It is inherent, inherited born of and in you and it is your duty and your calling to find out to find the words the actions of what it is what will define it and how to manifest it to shape and change the world around you hopefully for the or, as a certain turtle told a certain panda, it is inside you all along. We're going to end the episode there, friends. 
a truly humble and gracious man. Henry has an amazing talent and gift that he gives not only to fulfill himself, but others as well. He brings us into these worlds, these fantasies. He gives us those escapes for ourselves. If you do want to follow Henry, he's on all social media platforms. Henry W. Kramer. It was a humbling experience to actually get to connect to a lovely man. But anyway, friends, thank you for being here. This is Stuart. I hope you have a good day. Guys, I thoroughly, thoroughly hope you liked this podcast. If you did, please give a thumbs up, like, comment, subscribe. Tell me what you'd like to hear next, what we can discuss next. Tell me who you'd like me to bring on for interviews. Hear other people's stories, other people's truths and passions and purposes. But for now, I'm going to say a farewell, a good evening, good morning, good night, wherever you've listened to this, whenever you've listened to this. I hope your day is both well and the day you deserve. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.